Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. I am Mike Casaza, joined by Silence. It's wonderful. Solo show today. I'm going to reach across the country here, go down south, talk to our friend Curtis Wilkerson from Hogsports.com to preview the West Virginia-Arkansas matchup in tomorrow's Big 12 SEC Challenge. Pretty great conversation with one of the authorities down there on Hogs basketball. Some things we should know about the game, the venue, the opponent before we get there. 19,200 seats in that arena. Arkansas has long had one of the more engaged fan bases, especially when the team is very good. The team is very good here. 15-5 and five overall, 5-3 and three in the SEC, and five consecutive wins. The second largest average home attendance in the country, trailing only Kentucky. Can't even be number one in the conference when you're number two in the country. Imagine that shadow looming over you all the time in the SEC, but that's the life in basketball in that conference. Nevertheless, really good team that dials it up when they're home. And Arkansas has done some strange things with the roster before and even now during the season and the way it's played the games. Head coach Eric Musselman, kind of renowned for his work in the transfer realm before the portal was a thing. He was doing this at Nevada, getting players to come there because maybe it wasn't so easy to recruit to that school in that part of the country. But he's getting transfers and they were playing really well. Goes to Arkansas where the resources are obviously a bit better than they are at Nevada. You can recruit a little bit better. But then transferring became such a phenomenon, and Arkansas in the SEC was such a destination that, hey, it made sense to open the doors, open your arms, bring in more people. They were really good at that for a while, built some great teams on that. And then the portal happens, and immediate eligibility happens. And it's easier for transfers to see what it's like for a place like Arkansas, and Musselman's kept it up. This year, a couple of starters, a couple of contributors, different conferences, different parts of the country. And they kind of have a literally a formulaic way of going to it. Curtis will talk about that. And then kind of the change this team made, which makes this very interesting as far as this matchup goes. West Virginia, let's face it, is in a rut here. Four straight losses. The offense has really kind of stagnated. The defense has been above average, but not good enough, especially with rebounding, to compensate for the offense. Can you change things? Maybe. Do you play bigger? You'd like to, but the bigs haven't been very productive. Can you play freshman? Does that help, especially going on the road to this venue? Maybe that's not the right time or place. So there is a urge to change. Does it make sense right now? Who knows? Time will tell on that. If it's not tomorrow, it might be sometime beyond that. This is a game that West Virginia would really, really like to win, not only to snap the losing streak, but also to say, hey, life is tough in the Big 12. But a team that's been hardened by this conference can go on the road in one of the hardest environments out there and win a game kind of validate some things for the team, especially how difficult the conference is. And, hey, maybe the Mountaineers are just a victim of their conference schedule. That's certainly possible. Get outside the conference, a break, if you will. Get an opponent that isn't quite as familiar with you. Hasn't seen crossover opposition in scouting and film. Get a win. Hey, that changes everything. And you come back, press reset in the conference. But it's not going to be that easy because Arkansas has made it difficult. Arkansas started 9-0, and lost 5 of 6. Uh, people really questioning some of the transfer acquisitions or the direction of the offense. And Arkansas has done a strange thing with its lineup. Um, some of the more promising transfers have kind of been shuttled off to the side. This is a team that was really playing with high tempo, a lot of possessions, and, and a pretty healthy points per possession when it was going well against inferior opposition, obviously. 
and it is not that team anymore. And Curtis goes over that. This is kind of a strange team. If styles make fights, if it's all about matchups, this is going to be concerning for somebody on Saturday because these are not mirror images of each other. And not only that, one team does not want to mirror the other. Actually, both teams do not want to mirror the other right now because of what works and because of what can work. Kind of hard to explain without listening to the podcast. So, hey, tune in. 20-minute conversation with Curtis about basketball in the SEC and at Arkansas about this season and about what has changed for the Razorbacks for the better, what wasn't working early on, what to expect about this matchup. Angles, ideas, players to keep an eye on if Arkansas is to win and if West Virginia is to win. And, of course, since it's an SEC opponent, we have to talk some SEC football. We'll get to that with Curtis right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We are back. Looking forward to Saturday's 2 p.m. game on ESPN2 between West Virginia and Arkansas and the Big 12 SEC Challenge to get us up to speed on the Razorbacks. What was happening? What is happening? What the Mountaineers can expect? Say hello to Curtis Wilkerson from Hogsports.com, our friend in the 24-7 network. Curtis, welcome in. Please prepare our viewers for what they can expect on TV in a pretty wild environment for West Virginia tomorrow. Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. And, you know, that that is one of the, the unique things I think about Arkansas. You, you think about where Fayetteville is located. And, uh, you know, if you're in the state, you pretty much have no choice but to be all in on the Razorbacks. You know, there's not a lot of professional teams around close. So uh, a lot of diehard Razorback fans and, and they've got a big arena there at Bud Walton. Uh, holds over 19,000, and and they plan on filling it up. And especially when you get those Saturday afternoon games, uh, they typically do that. And and it's going to be a rowdy crowd and a rowdy environment. It's a big game for both teams. You know, it looks like they're both kind of maybe trending in in different directions at the moment, but both on the bubble and trying to play their way in. This is the last opportunity to put a to you know add a notch to the resume on that non-conference schedule. So I would expect a a loud rowdy environment in Bud Walton on Saturday. Yeah, lots of parallels you can draw between West Virginia and Arkansas, as you mentioned. The one and only in the state, really. I mean, there's other Division One schools, but the obsession, obviously, with both these. And then when you get down to the, the finer points of this basketball season, um, both teams, I would say, have been paced to, to some extent by their transfers and their production or maybe lack thereof. West Virginia would like more out of its transfers. Arkansas brought in a bunch that are um, a, a bunch of different backgrounds we can talk about, but... Take me through early season, mid-season, present point of the season. Some of the, I don't know, the learning curve, the speed bumps that existed and what's gone right of late. Yeah, it's it's been really interesting with this group. You know, a lot was expected of them. Uh, you know, they went to the Elite Eight, obviously, last year, had four guys with, uh, you know, starting experience coming back and, and supplemented with a lot of guys out of the transfer portal that they thought would be impact players uh, you know, early in the season, it, it's kind of interesting. Eric Musselman always talks about games and it's always a game of runs and you're going to get at least three big runs in every, in every game. And, and you got to win two of them. You're going to be in pretty good shape. 
it's kind of how the season has played out. It's been a season of runs for Arkansas. You know, started 9-0, and uh, kind of a light schedule early on. Uh, but they were winning games, even though maybe they weren't quite passing the eye test. You could tell uh, that guys were still trying to find their way, evolve into their roles, um, a little bit disconnected, especially on the defensive end of things. Um, but they were winning games based on their talent there early on. So, you know, after that that nine nine game winning streak to start, they took one on the chin to Oklahoma at a neutral site, uh, just a rough outing, and it really kind of spiraled downhill from there. You know, they lost five out of six from that point. Uh, lost a, a neutral site game to Hofstra. You don't want that. Uh, lost a home game to Vanderbilt. They started 0-3 in SEC play, and you're starting to wonder, <laughs> what what's going on here? Is this thing going to tailspin? And, you know, throughout that that five or six losing streak, Musselman, he, he's not a guy that's just going to rest on his laurels. So uh, mixed up the starting lineup in every game, looking for the right combination. And finally, he went with a really unique one against Missouri a couple weeks ago. Uh, with J.D. Note, the team's leading scorer, a guard, uh, surrounded him by four power forwards, which is a, a, a different look, but they made him bigger, uh, more physical. And it appears that that's the right formula for this team. They've won five in a row since. They've climbed out of the, the basement of the SEC. They're back into a third-place tie. Uh, they've kind of gone from out of the conversation when we're talking about March Madness to, you know, right back on the on the cut line there, on the bubble. So, playing a lot better, and, and it's really been fueled by this new lineup who's just injected a, a ridiculous amount of intensity on the defensive end of the floor, and that's something they just quite honestly didn't have early in the year. I guarantee you, Curtis, there are people listening to this who are rubbing their temples right now because of all the things you just said. <laughs> Let, let's tick off the list for West Virginia people. A coach who has made some changes, who has messed with his lineup, who has found a way. I think that there are frustrations here that Bob Huggins maybe wants to ought to change his lineup, but maybe he can. Um, there could be some of two things he does with bigger lineups that drive people here a little bit crazy. <laughs> There's a really big lineup at Arkansas waiting for them on Saturday, too, so that's going to be fun. And then streaks. Uh, this is a streaky team here, too, including four straight losses in the conference. And then, um, I don't know, like runs or something that I've seen Arkansas do, and then West Virginia has given up and also made a lot of runs, too, so... This this um I don't know this isn't out of conference thing but it does seem like these are kindred spirits in some regard. Um, let's stick on the head coach for a second though too. He is known for the portal. Was doing it before it was cool, right? I mean, he's <laughs> bringing in guys and letting them sit and become indoctrinated, similar to maybe like what a Baylor has done too, but more so for Musselman it seemed like. And, and quantity sure this year, but quality too. And this is not a new thing. How does he go about do, doing this and working the portal as well as he does? Because that's another thing I think people here are listening to going, hmm, maybe we should take notes on this. Yeah, well, I'll tell you this. For for guys like me and you, uh, it's it's insane. It's it's almost impossible to keep up with. You know, the transfer portal is obviously something that's, that's really exploding. It's gaining popularity. Uh, you know, you have 1,500 guys a year hit the portal, and Arkansas is going to contact every single one of them. And, and it's a vetting process. It really is. Um, and they have a formula, a literal mathematical formula that they use to kind of project how these guys that are hitting the portal would translate to what they're trying to do within their system, how their game would translate to the SEC. And they've got a, a fairly high success rate with, you know, nailing it. And, you know, it's been interesting. You're right. You know, Musselman, he, he was kind of the trendsetter for that back at Nevada. I don't know if that's a place where you can really rely uh, on building your program through through high school recruiting maybe as much as you want to. Uh, so he did. He relied heavily on the transfers there. He came to Arkansas, uh, and, and his cupboard wasn't bare by any means. 
in terms of talent, but he had a thin roster. And, and so he had to supplement it based on the time that he got the job through the transfer portal. And he's found a good balance since, you know, a, a couple years ago, he had a, a top 10 high school recruiting class, brought in three transfers and, and Justin Smith, Jalen Tate and Vance Jackson, who helped the team, uh, obviously transfer heavy this year. And, you know, listen, he's a guy that really values having positional versatility, guys with switchability in that 6'6 six, six to 6'7 six, range. They can do a lot of things for you. And you look at, you know, three guys in that starting lineup right now, and you got an Aldis Tony out of Pitt, Stanley Amude from South Carolina, and then Trey Wade out of Wichita State. They all fit that mold, and, and they've kind of been the catalyst here for this team when it comes to turning things around. Uh, and then you think about, you know, playmakers. It's something they wanted to add. I, I think they played Baylor in the Elite Eight uh, and just realized that they were probably a guy or two short in, in terms of just having dudes uh, who can really go and, and create and get their own uh, and went out and got a Chris Likes, you know, a guy who scored 1,200 points at, at Miami in the ACC. And he's been up and down this year, probably a little more down than they'd like him to be right now. But uh, still, it, it adds you another option. And, you know, it's it's been interesting to see uh, the growth and the way this team has evolved with some returners who, you know, really made an impact on what the group was able to do last year and, and getting them acclimated with these new faces, kind of the deal with a Muscleman team. They, they tend to struggle or hit a rut at some point early in the conference season, but typically by the end of the year, they're playing pretty good basketball. And I think that's what we're seeing now. Let's take an organic guy here. Someone who was recruited <clears throat> out of high school, uh, sophomore Jalen Williams, um, 6'10", 240. And and has one of the I don't know the best ceilings I guess for bigs in that conference when he's right high shooting percentage rebounds a lot and then in these past five or six games he's been about a double double every night too um, he's figuring out what's going on it looks like the lineups are figuring out what to do with him they're gonna play big that's pretty big right there for him to use what what can he do um, against teams that are not perhaps aware of his skill set and his potential. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. You see, and, and you've laid it out there, you know, a guy that's 6'10", 240 pounds. You, you think about a, a guy that's big and a, a banger and a bruiser, uh, and he can do those things. But what's so unique about Jalen Williams, he's got one skill set on each side of the floor that really stands out. Offensively, it's his passing. And, and if you take a look at it, he's got 63 assists this year. That's three off of the tops on the team. Incredible. Incredible. It's un, it's unreal, and, and they facilitate a lot of what they do uh, with the offense through him, whether that's dumping it into him on the block and letting him hit cutters, uh, or they'll get him involved in that pinch post action there on the elbow, and they just get it to him and let him look and create. And it got to a point where he was so such a pass-first guy that teams started backing off of him. They weren't worried about him trying to score. He's trying to thread the needle. His turnovers went up. And Musselman went to him and said, hey, look, you're skilled, man. Start start putting the ball in the basket. And he has. And you mentioned the string of double-doubles. I think he's averaging about 15 a game here in SEC play, uh, getting more aggressive and confident. He's a guy that can stretch the four, hit two threes on Ole Miss the other night, uh, got some soft touch down around the basket. He's really been huge for this team. And then he anchors them on the defensive end. Uh, with his size, he's a good interior defender. He can block some shots. But the thing with him is he's taken 25 charges this season as a as a 6'10 center. I don't think you see that too often. So when you know when guys go driving in there and try to dump it off, he's always in position <clears throat> to take those charges. And it's just been instrumental to what this team has done. He's having a fantastic year. Yeah, 12 and a half points, 9.9 rebounds, 2.8 assists per game in Big 12 play. So excuse me, SEC play. So he's um. Yeah, he's going really well here too. The eleven and one record at home, 
the second largest average attendance at home in the nation. Only Kentucky's better than that. This uh, this obviously is a team that does play well at home, plays better at home perhaps too. West Virginia going into a different environment. This is going to be unusual, I'm sure. They haven't had the most success in places like Fog Allen, where they've never had success. But also, haven't done great in this this classic either, too. So these are these are warning signs. We've talked about some things here, but this is a team that did hit some rough patches, took some strange losses. I'm talking about Arkansas. When things are not going well, what is the opponent doing to facilitate that, and what is Arkansas doing to make that possible? Yeah, you know, when Arkansas struggled, a lot of it early on was on the defensive end of the floor. Um, just a, a lot of disconnect there. They weren't playing team defense and, and really struggled to contain the dribble drive. Uh, they were getting lit up from three. That that percentage is finally coming down, but teams were shooting about 37, 38% from three on them uh, there in the first half of the season. It's just a killer. Uh, and and on the flip side, Arkansas was not shooting threes very well at all. It's It's interesting. Uh, you know, they had a streak of it was like 33 years, 1,092 games where they hit at least one three pointer. And that that streak was broken uh, at one point a couple games ago and, and people were freaking out about it. But since then, uh, they've they've hit 15 threes the last couple games, a shade under 40 percent. So maybe they're starting to turn the corner there. But when Arkansas gets themselves into trouble, quite honestly, they start turning over the basketball. And you look at the lineup right now and, and the reason it's worked for them. Uh, is because Note is such a good creator, and you've got those forwards who are doing a good job of moving without the ball, setting screens. It gets them in good offensive flow, but they run into times where it gets stagnant, and there's over-dribbling, and those live ball turnovers uh, are something that's really plagued this team, and it turns into layups on the other end. And, you know, so uh, it seems like every time Arkansas gets a game under control, they run into one of those lapses where they have a scoring drought, they have four or five turnovers over the course of three or four minutes, and all of a sudden the game is tightened back up. And and so those those problem areas are becoming more few and far between. Uh, but that's really what's been getting them when they're allowing the three ball on one end and turning it over on the other. Uh, that's when it causes some problems for the Razorbacks. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let me bounce West Virginia's lineup off you for a second here. What we're going to see from the starting five and off the bench. You tell me if, if, if this has been something they've seen similar lineups, opponents, whatever before, and also how it may or may not work. You ready? Okay. They're going to play like a defensive-minded point guard who's not really a point guard. He's like a combo guard, junior college kid, really struggle with his shot. Um, they're also going to play two two guards. One, Taz Sherman can shoot, can dribble, can bounce, can score, can create. Uh, one, Sean McNeil does not. He kind of gets pinned on one spot, doesn't move very well without the ball. And is everything the defenses are doing right now is run out to those two and, and switch everything. Don't let them get the ball any momentum if they ever get it. Then you're going to have like a 6'10 stretch five and then like a 6'7 kind of bouncy, can attack, but perimeter prone forward. So a point guard is not really a point guard, likes to play defense. Two twos who are very different, like a 6'7 wing and a 6'10 big. That's their starting. Then they're going to bring in Gabo Saboyan, who, I don't know, revenge game for Gabo Saboyan going back to Arkansas? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. So you know his his skill, you know, like a 6'7 
240 kind of big. I mean, 240 is probably overdoing it, but not not great offensively, but has been. And then just just some guys off the bench that can try to do some things under the basket. You know, a six six big, a six seven big. They're shot blockers. They don't rebound very well. They're not very skilled around the basket. Uh, not a lot of productivity off the bench. They might use some freshmen, believe it or not, in that environment who haven't played much of all lately. Um, these are this is not like a, a, a an apples to apples thing here. This is a very different lineup coming at them. Yeah, that that is really interesting, and I'll be anxious to see you know which way is that matchup going to be favorable. If, you know, if you you take a look at it with how big Arkansas is going to play, you talked about a a couple a uh, couple two guards there that are going to be on the wings, and you know Arkansas is going to have a couple guys in that six six to six seven range. Uh, guarding them and you know I, and it's going to be interesting I think it all comes down to if they come to play you know Trey Wade uh, is one of those guys that's going to be defending out there and, and he's proven capable of switching guarding the one through five uh, and Audis Tony is a guy that's hit or miss you know he's had games where he's been the team's best lockdown perimeter defender there's also been times where he's been less engaged he's been getting beat off the bounce and and you know a little bit lost off the ball especially if he's guarding a shooter uh, like McNeil, you worry about that a little bit. It's going to be really interesting to see, and then how can Arkansas take advantage of it uh, maybe on the other end? But, you know, the way you lay it out there, and and then I look at this Arkansas team who's been leaning heavily on defense, and they're starting to figure some things out offensively, but they still have a little bit of work to do. It sounds like it might be an ugly, uh, physical, slugfest kind of game. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah, styles make fights. These are teams that are probably going to want to rebound and be physical and play defense because they don't have they don't have the best offenses. And I think West Virginia's is not by choice. I think Arkansas is kind of by choice a little bit. They've, they've, correct me if I'm wrong here, they've kind of geared down a little bit because of their lineup, but also they're playing the best that their lineup can play. It's not a knock on them. It just seems like the best thing they could do with this combination of players is to play the way they are, whereas West Virginia would like to score more but really can't. Yeah, that's that's actually a fantastic point. You know, early in the season, Arkansas was among the, le- uh, the leaders in the country in scoring. They're well over 80 points per game. And that's true. You know, this lineup isn't necessarily built to to create and, and go get a bunch of shots and a bunch of points. They're more about grinding you down and uh, and getting stops on the defensive end and then getting to the free throw line. And that that's the big thing with this group. Arkansas leads the country in free throws made. They're second in free throws attempted. So they really attack. Uh, and get to the rim. You got guys like Tony and Amude who are good cutters, uh, getting to the basket, and they they try to bang on you in the, on the offensive glass as well. So uh, a little bit of a different look when Arkansas goes to the bench. That's where they start to inject some of those guards who like to create off the bounce. You talk about a Devo Davis and a Chris Likes, um, and then outside of that, you know, we we talked about uh, maybe a guy like Kamani Johnson, who's a a six seven two forty. You talked about Gable Saboyan. You know, he's a guy who's gonna come in and, and kind of do similar for Arkansas, really defend, you know, get on the glass. After that, Arkansas doesn't go too deep either, uh, really, you know, outside of that seven or eight, unless things are going terribly wrong. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Finally, um, SEC football, huge. I get that. How do they feel about basketball there? Because there, there's some good coaches, some good teams. Um, but it feels like it's kind of like the off-ramp before football season from afar. Is that is that kind of how it is? Uh, yeah, I would say, you know, big picture, uh, you know, looking down at the SEC, that's probably accurate. Uh, but you're right. You know, there are some really good coaches in this league, and they're definitely starting to take basketball more seriously. Now, Arkansas, uh, and I think it might just be a product of, of where the programs have been, but uh, this place has been nuts about basketball for a while now, uh, while football has gone through some some major struggles up until this year. Uh, and so maybe that's starting to even out a little bit. But yeah, the conference as a whole 
it's been interesting. And quite frankly, for years there, the SEC was not very good as a basketball league. I think this is about the best that they've been. And people are starting to take notice. And I, I think it starts with, just, you know, just like you mentioned, some of the coaches that have been injected to this league and, and elite recruiters, you're starting to see a lot of talent, a lot of lottery draft picks come through the SEC. That's going to generate interest. But listen, it, it doesn't matter. The SEC could get 12 teams into the dance this year, and, and it's going to be all about football. I mean, it's just the way it is. It's the lay of the land down here, no doubt. How has Sam Pittman pulled this off? Because this is a guy who was not <laughs> – it was not the flashiest hire. A lot of people are like, well, they'll be doing this again in a couple of years. Um, good staff. He's got some skill. They've recruited well. But it still feels like to some people on the outside it's a bit of a surprise. Yeah. I mean, it, it's been it's been a miraculous turnaround. You know, it, it, the, I think the thing with him, you know, he's come in and just completely right away uh, just flipped the culture. And that's so important. And, you know, these guys have struggled. They had back-to-back 2-10 and ten seasons. They lost 20-some-odd SEC games in a row. Uh, these guys forgot how to win. They forgot what success feels like. Um, and he just came and flipped the script on that. And, and that mentality changing was the first thing. And, and you know, they showed some signs last year of, of making improvement. They had a newfound belief. Uh, I think Pittman did a great job of getting the right coaches around him. Uh, you think about a Barry Odom as a defensive coordinator, Kendall Bryles running the offense. Those are, those are pretty solid coordinators there to work with the guy. Uh, but, you know, this team will run through a brick wall for Sam Pittman. And I think the biggest thing for him this past year is that that extra, if there's a silver lining, I don't know that you can even say that, but with this whole COVID deal is those super seniors, you know, being able to come back for that extra year of eligibility. Arkansas had over a dozen of them, and it just kind of replenished some of that depth. And then you start winning games. And it starts to compound, and now the recruiting is working out, and people are saying, oh, man, I can come to Arkansas, play in the SEC, and and be on a pretty good team. I want to transfer there. I want to go there. Uh, And it's starting to be a little bit of a domino effect. And, you know, quite honestly, they've got the thing rolling and a a good quarterback in K.J. Jefferson. So it's been a a pretty impressive turnaround, and and it starts with what Pittman has done with just establishing just a winning culture again. And that's something they needed in Fayetteville. Last one for you, Curtis Wilkerson. Thank you again for helping me out here. But let's look ahead to the basketball game one last time. Um, give me a key angle, player, stat, whatever. If Arkansas is to win or and or if West Virginia is to win, what or who are we talking about in the event of either outcome? Yeah, I, I think the number one thing, you know, obviously for, for being a home game, Arkansas if this is on a neutral side I might feel a little bit differently but you know in front of 19,000 in Fayetteville uh, you know with the way the two teams are playing right now I'd probably give the edge to Arkansas in fairness but uh, to me it's all going to come down to the consistency of play for Arkansas over the course of 40 minutes you know I think West Virginia is a team obviously you know their reputation uh, when they dig their heels in they can really grind on you defensively and you know I, I know that they're probably not the the press Virginia of old but they'll heat you up a little bit. And you know, I, I worry about Arkansas at times with that starting lineup uh, with just one guard in there. You know, if they start getting stagnant, over dribbling, and, and Note's been a little bit pro, uh, turnover prone, and some of those other guards have struggled behind them lately, Devo Davis, Chris Likes, uh, just protecting the basketball, which is weird, but it's been a thing. Man, if Arkansas starts turning it over and allowing West Virginia to get out and get some easy ones, that's where things could get dicey. And, and I, I think Arkansas is going to have to really be toned into ball security uh, and, and taking care of it. And if they do that, I think they'll be in pretty good shape in the end. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, they've had some games where they've really limited the turnovers and, and played well. They've had others where they've, you know, 
I think they played Texas A&M recently and, and had, you know, 18 turnovers and it turned into 28 points on the other end. That's a recipe for a loss. So that's something I think they have to avoid. He is Curtis Wilkerson. Check out, let's see, uh, it's you, it's Andrew Ellis, it's Trey Biddy. Um, I'm trying to think of those one more there too. His name I can't remember right. Now. Danny West. Danny West, right. Okay, so four right. of you guys over there at hogsports.com. You want to know about Arkansas before, during, and after the game, check them out. Football season, of course. Uh, hey, I think it's important down there. We've already gone over that. So if you're a fan of Arkansas or if you even have a VIP membership and you want to stop over and check out what they're talking about about this game on Saturday or during the football season in the future, please do that. Curtis, thanks for the help. Couldn't have done it without you. Hey, anytime. I appreciate you having me on. Have a good one. All right, take care.